We've been emphasizing the matter of prayer throughout the month of October, and we continue that emphasis today. And so to begin our study, let me just ask you this question. If you could model your prayer life after anybody, maybe a relative, you know, a dad or a mom, a grandparent, someone else that you consider to be your spiritual hero, or even someone that you've read about down through history, who would you model your prayer life after? For me personally, there are several people that come to mind. My, my dad would probably be at the top of the list. Um, dad's prayer life was so consistent, and, and um, I remember as a child when we were in, in South America, we lived at about 12,000 feet above sea level, and Dad had as his office just a little, it'd be about the size of a walk-in closet. It was not heated except for a little space heater, and um, Dad would um, get up 4, 4.30 in the morning. That was just a pattern of his life, and he would spend that time with his Lord. And uh, his constant testimony was talking about the joy that Jesus gives, and even after Mom's dementia changed her life, changed dad's life. Things were so tough, yet he continually testified to having joy, and that came because of a prayer life. And I will probably never reach the level of his prayer life, but I hope that someday my family can say, you know, dad or papa was a man of prayer. And then I think of the prayer life of our dear Bonnie Witt. We miss her so much, don't we? I had uh, confidence in her prayer life, and many of you did as well. If you needed prayer, many of you wouldn't call me, you'd call Bonnie. Uh, Bonnie was just at the top of your list uh, to call, and I'm glad she's in heaven, but when it comes to her ministry in this church, and especially her prayers for us, there's they're still a void. Uh, and then someone else in our, our church that some of you may not know, because she's not an upfront person, but um, Larry, your, your dear wife, Jody is someone that I consider to be a very consistent and faithful prayer warrior. And I could continue this list of people that had or have a prayer life that I respect, but there are some people that I think even trump the prayer lives of those that we respect. One of those is the Apostle Paul. And as a quick review, we have around what at least what I consider 43 of his recorded prayers in Scripture and his prayers were so deep, and, and more than just the, you know, the, the, the bless you prayers. Our prayers are bless, uh, bless us and, and lead, guide, and direct us prayers. Uh, but they were so much more than that. And, and today we want to study another one of his powerful prayers. But what makes this particular prayer so much more powerful, and in my mind at least, is that his prayer that we're going to study is an almost identical twin to a prayer that Jesus prayed. Which leads me to say this, if, if, if Paul, the Apostle Paul, the great Apostle Paul, felt the need to pray this prayer, and if Jesus felt the burden to pray this prayer, I, I just kind of figure this is a prayer that I should pray as well. And it's a prayer that you should pray. And that is the prayer for unity within the body of Christ. Now, unfortunately, today, Christians don't have a squeaky clean record of being unified. And that lack of unity shows itself in, in many different ways. 
One of the ways that it shows itself in our own community is through church members taking pot shots at each other or taking pot shots at other churches down the road. And, and I've heard, as, as you've heard, uh, as well, some of the pot shots or criticisms leveled at our church. You know, I, I've heard stuff such as, well, the music is too loud, and perhaps at times it is. And, and as someone that now qualifies to get the senior discount, I, I can say this, you know, the younger generation might get in trouble if they would say this, but I can say this because I'm as old as dirt, but, but typically that criticism of music being too loud comes from people my generation and older. And, and what's funny, I just kind of have to laugh at ourselves, but sometimes we old dudes, we can't hear it thunder. We, we certainly can't hear our cell phone unless the ringer is on high. And that's why when it goes off in church, it takes us 15 seconds to hear it. Did you notice that younger people never have their cell phone go off in church? You know, we want to blame the young people for everything. But it's us old dudes. We're the ones that uh, the cell phone goes off. And by the way, you might want to just put it on silent right now while you're thinking about it. So, so we can't hear nothing but loud music in church bothers us. And, and since I'm just kind of rambling uh, about us old dudes, I, I do find it interesting that the Bible tells us to be loud when we praise the Lord. Have you ever realized that? Psalm 150 says, praise the Lord. Can't be saying about it. Praise God in His heavenly dwelling. Praise Him in His mighty heaven. Praise Him for His mighty works. Praise His unequal greatness. Listen, praise Him with the blast of the trumpet. I don't think you can blast quietly. And it goes on to say, praise him with the lyre and the harp, uh, tambourine dancing, praise him with stringed instruments, flutes, praise, praise him with the clash of cymbals, praise him with loud clanging cymbals. Let everything that lives sing praises to the Lord, praise the Lord. But anyway, probably having said too much, sometimes we may get carried away with the volume, but I kind of like it. And then I've heard that we as a church don't preach the full gospel. And, and of course, there are different definitions of what the full gospel is. And so depending on your background, you might feel that way. I've heard that our, our church is a fashion show where every Sunday is all about everybody showing off their, new, their fancy clothes. And maybe some of you do that. But from my perspective, you look pretty ordinary to me. Sorry. Maybe you bought your blue jeans from Walmart. I don't know. Maybe you got your clothes from thrift stores or hand-me-downs. Others have said, you know, this church is too cliquish. And, and no doubt there are a few tight-knit groups that are just comfortable with us four and no more. But I think most of you are pretty accepting of elder radiance. You, you kind of accepted us. So I know there are plenty of criticisms against our church. And I, I know this is kind of dangerous, but, but how many of you, and be honest, okay? It won't hurt my feelings, but how many of you have heard somebody criticize our church? Would you just lift your hand? Just go ahead, be honest. Man, that did hurt my feelings. <laughs> Not really. But, but here's what I want to get at. Are you listening? We can't control what others say about our church. And that criticism should just go off of us like a water off of a duck's back. Please don't ever get defensive when you hear criticism against this church, you know, sometimes it's okay to clarify, but don't engage in an argument. You, you probably won't change their mind, and you may just embed in their mind that people from this church are argumentative and defensive and ugly. But the real question, 
And what concerns me more than people criticizing our church is this. How many, are you listening? How many of you or how many of us have criticized our brothers and sisters that attend another church down the road? You don't have to raise your hand because I know we're all guilty. And when I say brothers and sisters, I'm not referring to those who teach that there's no hell or have another book that they elevate to the same level as the Bible, but I'm referring to brothers and sisters in Christ who believe that Jesus Christ is the only way to salvation, and they believe that the Bible is the inspired and inerrant Word of God, which incidentally would include almost every church in this community. Understand that. We may not agree on every detail and distinctive, But most churches in this community agree on the basic foundational aspects of salvation. If you come to know Christ and follow the doctrine that most churches in this community teach, you will go to heaven from those churches. I thought I'd hear an amen. Amen. And here's the truth. The truth, truth is that I would rather people criticize this church rather than people from this church criticize another church and i would argue with all my heart that one of the most deadly weapons that the enemy of our soul uses against the church is the weapon of disunity and the reason satan uses this tactic is because he knows that if we're united for jesus then we can be an unstoppable force in the world we can accomplish great things in the name of jesus but if we're bickering with each other we're basically worthless to the kingdom of god So that is why I believe that Paul and Jesus felt the burden to pray for unity. Let's read their prayers. First of all, Paul's prayer for unity in Romans chapter 15. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you a spirit of unity among yourselves as you follow Christ Jesus. And and remember Paul's pattern in praying? He would He would pray a specific prayer and then followed up with two words. Do you remember? So that with one heart and mouth you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Accept one another then just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. That was Paul's prayer. Let's look at this identical twin prayer of Jesus in John chapter 17 verse 20. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, which, by the way, would be us, because he's praying for those who would believe down the road, which is us, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us. And and, and check out these words. I wonder if this is where the Apostle Paul got this type of praying. May they also be in us so that, does that sound familiar? So that the world may believe that you sent me, I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I and them, you and me, may they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you sent me, have loved them even as you have loved me. Now, as we talk about unity, the, the basic question that needs to be answered is, why is unity so important to God? Well, as I've gotten older, I think I understand a bit better why our Heavenly Father values unity. Those of you that have kids or or grandkids, you know how road trips have a tendency to bring out the very worst in our kids. Do I hear an amen? 
In fact, 25 years ago, putting our two girls in one vehicle for an extended amount of time was probably the closest thing to hell this side of eternity. <laughs> and if you didn't believe in hell before the trip, you did after the trip. And I found myself thinking, where is the returns department where I can send these bickering girls back to their maker? Now, today I want to give uh, three different reasons <clears throat> why we should pray for unity. The first is because, <clears throat> number one, we desperately need each other. You may not <clears throat> think this, but you need me. You know that? You need me, and I need you. I desperately need you. And Paul talked about this in Romans chapter 12, three chapters before his prayer on unity, and he said that just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with body, the body of Christ or the church. We all have special functions. You know, in our physical bodies, the hand is not the ear. The ear is not the foot. The foot is not the esophagus. The esophagus is not the gallbladder, wherever that is. The, the gallbladder is not the kidney. The, these are all very different parts with very different functions, but they're all important and they have a job to do. Um, that teaches a very important lesson on unity. Unity is not the same as uniformity. God's plan is not for us to be puppets that look alike and think alike and act alike. Can you imagine this type of scenario? And uh, if you want to go to this first slide, I, I want you to look at our very distinguished uh, pastor, Jim. Could you go ahead and uh, put it on that? Are you in there? Can you find that? Not there. Uh, where are we? Yeah, if you could help us out there, because I, I want you guys just to kind of envision uh, this right here. Just be quiet. Just rest. Are we going to make it there? Daniel, what'd you do? Make the baby cry. Are we not going to have it there? Uh, may, may not make it. Let's. Uh, we having a reboot? Okay, there you go. <clears throat> look, look at this guy. Isn't he just, you know what? He's over 40 now. Can you believe this? He's no longer young. Uh, all right. Now, now can, you, can you imagine this? Look at his hairdo there. Can you imagine if we all combed our hair like Jim? Let's go to the next slide there. Um, <clears throat> what do you think about that? <laughs> it was worth the wait, wasn't it? All right, let's go to the next slide. How about this one? Uh, all right, the next slide. Um, there's Miss Tessie. Uh, yeah. Uh, okay, another one. Uh, how about this one? <laughs> what do you think of that? Next slide. Uh, 
So there we are. You know, can you imagine that type of scenario where uh, we all comb our hair the same way as Pastor Jim does? You know, God never intended for all of us to comb our hair the same way or wear the same type of clothing or like the same type of music or have the same sense of humor. And it's our differences that give us the ability to reach so many different types of people. For example, I've never snorted cocaine, nor smoked weed, nor shot up heroin, nor ingested meth. Never have. I've never even tried whiskey, nor vodka. I understand you can down vodka and it never be noticed. Uh, Don't smell it on your breath. I've, I've never tried it. I told you a few weeks ago that while I was a little kid, when I was a little kid in, in, in South America, probably pre-kinder age, another, someone gave me some moonshine. I didn't know what it was. It burned all the way down and burned all the way back up. I'm serious. It went down fast, but it came up equally as fast. So I, I can't relate to those types of sins, but believe you me, I've sinned in other ways. I've, I've probably sinned in ways you've never thought about sinning. I've almost invented ways to sin. But because my sins are not in the area of addictions, I honestly can't go to a drug addict or an alcoholic and say, you know, I understand what you're going through, and and I've been there, done that. I can't say that, but some of you can. And and you know the feelings of withdrawal when when you begin to break away from your vices. And and you can say, I not only sympathize with you, but I can empathize with you, and, and you can help them. I probably can't. But on the other hand, I've experienced things that perhaps some of you have never experienced. I've, I've experienced loneliness and a, and a feeling of never belonging because my parents moved so much in their ministry. I, I, I never felt like that I could establish roots in any place. I attended seven different schools by my freshman year in high school. And then I've experienced the fishbowl, uh, the pressure of living in a fishbowl and the high expectations of being a preacher's kid and always feeling that I couldn't live up to the expectations. So I don't have your past. You don't have my past. But, but God's grace has brought all of us together with our idiosyncrasies and our preferences and our weaknesses. And, and when we as a group of eclectic pe- people can be unified, and, and uh, even though we're from different age groups and prefer different types of music and different translations of the Bible and align ourselves with different political parties and have differing views on masks and vaccines... When we can come together and experience unity, it's a beautiful thing, and it sends a strong message to the world that followers of Jesus can actually get along with each other. And God forbid that we would ever begin engaging in friendly fire with the churches down the road that may may baptize a little bit differently than we do. We dunk, they may sprinkle or partake of communion more or less frequently than we do, or, or may have louder or softer or more animated or less animated music than we do. And, and God forbid that we would ever engage in friendly fire on Facebook as we try to push our opinions on things that in light of eternity do not amount to a hill of beans. Do you all say that in Missouri? Or is that just Arkansas? You know, I asked you earlier, how many of you have heard someone question or say something bad about our church? And a lot of hands went up. But here's my sincere hope is that I hope that for the last 20 years or so, you have never heard me publicly degrade or say anything negative about another church or denomination. 
Because I've purposed in my heart to not push off or put down another group of Christians to make our church look better. Now, the reason I say for the last 20 years or so is because, honestly, before that, I did what a lot of pastors do. I would push off of others to make myself or our church look better. And, and we're, we pastors, you know, we're, we're so deceptive and devious. We've learned how to push off in subtle ways. For example, we don't necessarily name the church we're criticizing, but here's what a lot of pastors do. We say, well, we're not like other churches. You know, when you come here to church, I guarantee you, you will hear the truth preached. You know, at our church, we don't water down the word. At our church, we preach the truth and nothing but the truth still help us God. And that sounds spiritual, but what's that implying? That's implying that these other churches are compromising and they're not preaching the truth. And these other pastors are soft on sin, you know, but we have it all together and we preach the whole word of God and they don't. And so I want to kindly, but in no uncertain terms, tell you that if you talk about another church, Make sure you choose your language very carefully and season your words with a lot of grace. And don't say things like, well, we're not like those other churches down the road that are so boring. Or, or don't say, hey, you know, we're not like the frozen chosen. Or we're not like those crazy charismaniacs. And we're not like those mega churches that preach a diet version of the gospel. Or we're not like those little tiny mom and pop churches that have a church boss and are basically run by one family. Don't say that. The reality is that those churches are probably going to reach others that may never come to our church. We don't need to be exactly like the other churches down the road. And the other churches don't need to be exactly like us. Somebody in another church wanted to have contemporary music, and they talked to someone in leadership about that, and the leader said, well, you just want us to be like the Church of God Holiness, and so you just need to go there, and, and so they did. <laughs> but, but here's what I want to say. Not everybody likes contemporary music. I do. I was raised on the old hymns, but for some reason, I love contemporary music. Um, there are churches that are more traditional than ours. They can reach people that we may never be able to reach. And then those churches that some of you might call crazy charismatic churches, they can reach people that like a little bit more zip than we do around here. And then those small country churches, I found they do a much better job of pastoral care than a church our size. If someone gets sick, I mean, they're there for that person, and those people... You know, there are people that want to visit from the pastor, and, and small churches do a great job of making sure that's done. And, and, and then, you know, the mega churches, they can offer so many more programs than a church of our size can offer. So, so we're not going to push off of each other. In fact, I want this to be the official position of our church. We're going to speak well of other ministries. We're going to speak well of other denominations. We're going to speak well of other churches. Amen? We're going to speak well of other pastors. We're going to speak well of other Christians. And if we can't speak well of them, then we just need to be silent. Remember what your mom said, if you can't say something nice, don't say some, anything at all. Don't say anything at all. And I, I'm not talking about speaking well of false cults, uh, even though we still need to season our, our, our thoughts and talk with wisdom and grace. You know, if we hear a church that's teaching against the inspiration of God's Word or teaching against there being a hell, I have no problem trying to expose that unbiblical teaching. But if a church that teaches that Jesus Christ is God's Son, salvation is by grace through faith, the Word is inspired, 
uh, we don't need to be blasting them about some little difference that we might have. So we're not going to nitpick over which translation of the Bible to use, or we're not going to be critical of churches with traditional music, or contemporary music, or no music at all. When we have brothers and sisters, when we have brothers and sisters that are being beheaded, you know, about a month ago, someone sent me a video that surfaced in another country, and it would not have been allowed on social media here in this country. It was too graphic, but this video was so disturbing. They had 20 or so pastors lined up on their knees with a different gunman behind each pastor, and they went down the line, each gunman pulling the trigger, and I couldn't watch it all. I had to. When I saw what was happening, I, I couldn't find the stop button fast enough. I couldn't bear to watch this. But when we have brothers and sisters in other parts of the world that are being beheaded or shot or tortured for their faith, we're not going to focus on stupid, insignificant stuff that has no eternal value. And I, I hope you heard the language that I used. And I know you parents teach your kids not to say stupid. And I commend you for that. But when our brothers and sisters are being tortured or killed for their faith, and we're focusing on insignificant stuff that has no eternal value, I'm sorry, it's stupid. And the sad thing is that there may be some people that will be more upset over my using the word stupid than the fact that there are more people being martyred for their faith today than ever before. We need to recognize that we're part of a bigger family. We have brothers and sisters in Nepal and Turkey and Afghanistan and Nicaragua and Africa. We need them and they need us. And and these are men and women and children. Some are rich, most are poor. They speak every language you can imagine from every ethnic background possible from more denominations than you can name. Yet they worship the name of Jesus, our Savior and our Lord. And that's why we need to just not wish for unity, not just talk about unity, not just hope for unity, not just preach and teach about unity. We need to pray for unity. The second reason we should pray for unity is so the world will see Jesus. There's an interesting Greek word in our text in Romans 15, 7, accept one another then as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. And, and I looked up that word that's translated to accept one another, and it's the word proslambano. And it's a very picturesque word that carries with it the imagery of accepting someone into your arms and embracing them and walking hand in hand, arm in arm with a brother or sister. And so squeezing out the full meaning of this word, when, what Paul was trying to say that when we walk with other Christians arm in arm and accept them as Christ accepted us, even with our flaws, it's a beautiful thing. And, and I'll admit, sometimes it's tough because we are so different. Have you ever thought about our differences? I mean, look around. Look at how different you are. I didn't say strange, just Different. You know, some of you are pro-tattoo. Others of you are anti-tattoo. A few of you, probably not very many of you, like opera music. The kind where the high notes break glass. Some of you like bluegrass music or country music. Some of you like the color pink. Others of you like the color yellow. Some of you don't like green. Some of you ladies like straight hair. 
Some of you like curly hair. Some of you like long hair. Others of you like short hair. And then some of us men take the position that bald is beautiful. And all of the men said, amen. And then some of you, listen, some of you, this cracks me up, but some of you have the unique ability of taking a calm situation and creating drama and making a mountain out of a molehill. I'm serious. It's a gift. You can take something that's so small and create high drama. Others of you can go into a high drama situation and bring calm to it. Some of you are thinkers. Others of you are just stinkers. (laughs) Some of you like messages where the pastor tells stories. You know, Pastor Beckham, he preached last week. He's a master storyteller. He keeps us spellbound. I've never heard anyone else be able to tell a story about a teddy bear and there wasn't a dry eye in the building. It was powerful. It's a gift. I can't do that. And then others of you like to dig deep and you love to hear Pastor Dennis Painter as he speaks about the grace of God and the bigness of God and he amazes us as he tells us about the incredible expanse of the universe and and Dennis's shallow thoughts are way deeper than my deepest thoughts. And then others of you like to hear Pastor Jim speak. He's He has the unique ability to bring in a new story, and with a very tasteful sense of humor, he weaves in a spiritual truth that makes it so practical and understandable, and you leave saying, wow. So we're different. We have different preferences, but even in our differences, when we can get along with each other and love each other and actually like each other, that reputation is going to get out. You know, someone from this church, and they, uh, I was with them last evening. They, they couldn't be here today. They said they'd be watching on, on YouTube. But um, he, he was telling me that whenever he goes to say, you know, say something nice to his life, wife, you know, what, what we do, you know, before we hang up, we always say, I love you, love you, love you. And, but the word love you is used for so many things. You know, we love our house. We love our dog. We love our chiefs or at least we used to a couple of years ago, not so much this year. But, <laughs> but, but the word love has been cheapened. But, but this man from our church, you know what he tells his wife? Instead of I love you, because that's said about so many things, he says, honey, I like you. And she was telling us last night, she said, man, that bothered me to start with. I said, why are you telling me you like me instead of, you, instead of loving me? And, and um he said, you know, I'll always love you. You're, you're, you're the mama of our, our kids. I'll always love you. But it's a higher compliment whenever I can say, I like you too. Of course we love each other. We have to love each other to get to heaven. But do we really like each other? And so instead of Christians being known for what they're against, oh, they're against drinking and smoking and dancing and whatever. Let's be known for what we're for. We're for loving God. We're for loving people and even liking people. And we will love them regardless of what they look like, smell like, and even act like. And this doesn't change the fact that as God's people, we have standards of holy living. None of that changes. But when it comes to loving people, we must love unconditionally even if someone takes your seat in church. (laughs) Seriously, we've had people that have voiced their displeasure over someone taking their regular seat in church. And, And I've thought about really stirring the pot. Of course, this isn't my personality at all, but I've thought about... 
(laughs) I've thought about stirring the pot and having a special Sunday called Take Somebody Else's Seat Sunday. (laughs) Yeah, I I thought about encouraging you to get here early enough and take somebody's seat and watch their reaction to see if they're really saved. (laughs) We might find out that they might lose their salvation, but let's, okay, watch this. Verse 35 is so powerful. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. What will prove to the world that you're a true Christian? He didn't say your right doctrine. He didn't say the right denomination. He didn't say your music style. He didn't say reading the correct version of the Bible. What did he say? Your love for one another. That's so powerful. By the way you love one another, everyone will know you are my disciple. The third reason we pray for unity is because we can do more together than we can apart. That was the attitude that made the first century church thrive. And, you know, what, what did the early, have you ever thought about this? What did the early church have going for them? No buildings, no social media platforms, no internet, no Twitter, no Instagram, no Facebook, no live stream broadcast. They didn't have much going for them. What did they have going against them? Pretty much everything, massive persecution. People weren't just tweeting something bad about the church. They were taking the lives of those who said, we believe Jesus is risen from the dead. Yet because this little band of uneducated, first century, passionate Jesus followers were unified, they were able to spread the gospel all over the world, and it even reached Cedar County, Missouri. Let me show you how the church was described in Acts chapter 4. Verse 32, all the believers were one in heart and mind. All. All. Do you know what all means? It means all. They were unified. No one claimed that any of his possessions was his own, but they shared everything they had. And I'll admit that's a couple of love levels over mine. Verse 33, with great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. Much grace was upon them all. There, was, there were no needy persons among them. Did you catch that? No needy people among them. And this was not because the government helped help them or sent out stimulus checks. It was because followers of Jesus responded to the needs. For from time to time, those who own lands or Houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, put it at the apostles' feet. No strings attached there, and was distributed to anyone as he had need. Have you ever done that? I, I haven't. What What would people say if we acted like this? I, mean, I, I don't know. Maybe they might say, you know, have you ever seen how loving they are? Have you seen how maybe they forgive one another? They, they get into little spats like everybody, but they forgive and they go on. They don't avoid each other. Have you seen how respectful they are on Facebook? Even to those who are not nice, even to those who don't agree with their stance on vaccines. I'm going to argue all day long that the world is sick and tired of hearing about the love of Jesus. They want to see it. Did you hear me? They're sick and tired of hearing about the love of Jesus. They want to see it. They want to see it. They'll see it when we love one another. And so we as a church must pray for unity in the family of God. Why? So that God will be glorified and the people will know that God sent Jesus 
as a Savior to save us from our sins. And, and what might happen if we would start living out the unity that God intended us to have? I, I mean, dream big, okay? Pull out all the stops. Dream big. What would happen if millions of believers from every city, from every village, from every tribe, from every nation of the world would begin standing together in unity? Dream big. Let me tell you what I believe could happen. By Monday, I think starvation could be eliminated around the world. By Tuesday, every person could have access to clean drinking water. By Wednesday, poverty could be eradicated. By Thursday, every one with a medical need could be met. By Friday, all the orphans in the world could be in caring and loving homes. By Saturday, every person could have heard about the love of Jesus. And by Sunday, we would all take a break and gather to worship our Savior because we're one body under one name, serving one God with one purpose. Paul prayed for unity. Jesus prayed for unity. May we pray for unity. And may we be one in Jesus. Lord, we thank you for these powerful prayers that God, we have on record, and thank you that the Apostle Paul and Jesus modeled this prayer for us. Lord, we're living in a time in which we desperately need, we desperately need to be unified. God, I'm not talking about being unified in, in, in error, and Lord, I'm not talking about just lumping everything together and doesn't matter what you believe I'm not talking about that but father whenever we all whenever we teach Jesus Christ as a savior of the world and lord whenever our differences are such minor things such as maybe the style of music or things that really don't matter eternally lord shame on us for uh making issues out of things that are not issues. So, Lord, as we've been praying for unity, Lord, we're uh, or, or, or praying this month of October. God, we've been praying the, the dangerous prayers of God, search me and break me and stretch me and use me and lead me and fill me. Lord, that was one week right there of praying, and God, I'm still praying that prayer, those prayers. Lord, we've uh, studied the prayer, of, the prayer of the Apostle Paul that we might be active in, in sharing our faith. And Lord, now we add to our, our, our prayers more than just a bless me prayer, but Lord, we're asking that the body of Jesus Christ would be unified across the world and that we would stand together for truth. Lord, instead of nitpicking over so many things, I pray that you would help us to be one in Jesus and that we would be a mighty army, Lord, that we would be a mighty force that would conquer the world through unity in Christ. So God, this week I pray that if, if we've had maybe a practice of taking pot shots at other believers, at other Christians, God, would you just convict us whenever we go to say it? I pray that you would just check us right there. 
God, I pray that this week would be a week with nobody lashing out, criticizing other brothers and sisters in Christ over silly things. Lord, I pray that you would just help us to be one and, Lord, not only just love each other. I think we would all say, well, I love him and I can't stand him. But, Father, I pray that we would come to the point where we would love each other and like each other. And, God, that we could serve together to make this world a better place. Thank you for your word. Thank you for these people. Thank you for your presence. Go with us. We pray this in the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. You're dismissed.